We are going to continue today in this message series we've been in, in the book of Galatians. Yeah, we call this the gospel of freedom. And so uh, today we're going to be in chapter 4, picking up at verse 8. Uh, there, If you see in your program that it's Ephesians, that's a typo. It's Galatians 4, beginning at verse 8, and we'll pick that up in just a moment as we talk about living a new way in Galatians, the gospel of freedom. It's been said that we're creatures of habit. And I think that's true. I know I sure am. Uh, it's a behavior we share with the animal kingdom. Uh, I've never, um, you know, had to uh, milk cows when I'm told that cows will always walk back to the same milking stanchion. Just like you probably sat in roughly the same spot today as you did last week. And you parked in the same spot you generally park in every time. And when someone's in your spot, you're just a little bit annoyed because it's your spot. Let's be honest about that. When we move back indoors, you're going to look for your seat. It's just how we're wired. It's normal and it's okay. We tend to return to what's familiar to us and what's comfortable. But sometimes that's not even necessarily what's best for us, but we go there anyway. It's in our nature to do that. You think about how many great disciplines like eating right or exercising or daily Bible reading or whatever it is, how many of those good disciplines get dropped because after a little while we're like, oh, I should probably do it, but it's just easier to go back to those old patterns. I think we could all uh, relate to that. And we really admire those people who are super consistent, who are super disciplined. They go to the gym every day. We're like, wow, how do you do that? It, it's impressive to us. But what about in your relationship with Jesus? Right, the Apostle Paul, in this passage, you know, this whole book, actually, we've been looking at, Paul had noticed that his Galatian friends, those believers there, were were kind of slipping back. Um, after making such a great start as Jesus followers, were sort of slipping back into old, um, you know, beliefs or patterns, um, back to kind of a bondage to religious rules. And they, they, were, they were going back to that, back to superstitions, back to false beliefs. You see, every generation struggles with this slipping back to those familiar things. False beliefs, superstitions, rules. Spiritual gravity, I call it, always wants to pull us down. It's always uh, pulling on us back to what's familiar. And, and, you know, that what is familiar depends on self instead of depending on Christ to make me right with God. And instead, faith in Jesus gives us kind of wings to break free from those old uh, ways and those old rules and those bondages. And so uh, we're going to read about this in Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 8, and read all the way through 20. I read from the New Living Translation. He says this, Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. And and he's referring really there to these kind of Jewish, key Jewish regulations and feasts and festivals and, and things that were kind of obligated to the Jews. Verse 11, I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I've become like you, Gentiles, free from those laws. 
You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Verse 13 says, Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn away. No, you took me in. You cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Verse 17, those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone's eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Verse 19, oh, dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul was accused of being tough in his letters, but gentle in person, and he's he's kind of bringing that same tone. When you, when you get serious about following the Lord, the world around you might just say that you're crazy. Your, your parents might wonder why you can't be more normal. Your, your grandkids might be embarrassed that you're kind of really living for Jesus. And the temptation then is to make the gospel sound less crazy, more, more culturally normal. Just to kind of go quiet. And, and let's, let's be honest. The, the message of the gospel is pretty radical, right? You've, you've got this, this message that a man who was God was crucified on a cross, was laid in a tomb. He rose from the, from the dead to, to forgive your sins and give you eternal life. It's a, if that's the first time hearing that, you're like, yeah, that's a little out there. It's a, it's a radical message. So don't be surprised if when you're making steps toward freedom in Christ that you know, and, and freedom from sin and freedom from religious regulations that all of a sudden a bit of that spiritual gravity wants to take hold and drag you back down to what's comfortable and familiar and, and just stay quiet. In other words, and if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this one down. The world wants you back. The world wants you back. They don't have your back. They want you back. Or at the very least, we could say this, that the world wants you to make no waves. Just blend in. Just keep quiet. Just, just, just be nice. Just be nice and, and, and don't, don't bug anybody. And if the devil can convince us to live, you know, by rituals, religious rituals and, and not in kind of joyful daily obedience to God, then we're no threat to the darkness. If we'll just stay in our path and go back to the same stanchion every, every day. See, the Christian life is meant to flow in, in truth under the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Yet there's always this temptation to, to perform for God's approval. Think about these Galatians. They had a, a, a pagan background. So that means they'd, they'd believed in, in false deities like Zeus and Mars and Diana and, and which are really demons. And Paul talks about that elsewhere. These are, these are demons that are worshiped as idols. And, 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 you know, they'd observed all the, you know, rituals, religious rituals that would go with all that. And, and as they believed in Christ, they left all that behind. They made a start, strong start with Jesus. 
And then these false teachers, we called them Judaizers, trying to make them more Jewish. These false teachers came along and, and introduced different religious rituals. But the principle was the same. Do this and this and this, and you'll be accepted by God. That's the, that's the message of, of, of religion. And Paul wrote to them, verse 9, he, he said this, right? He said, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? Verse 9, why would you want to go back to that? What, what are you thinking of Paul saying? He's warning us not to give up our freedom in Christ, right? Whether through religion or through cultural expectations, cultural norms. I don't know if you've ever noticed that both... You know, on one hand, really legalistic religions, and on the other hand, sort of anti-kind of Christian groups or teachings are always about control. There's always about more rules, more demands of what you can and cannot say, right? What, what you can think, what you can do, and what you can't think, what you, there's always about control. It's not about freedom. And in Christ, you're free. Free from sin, free from the past, free from trying to be good enough for God through empty rituals. You know, how many people have you said, hey, you know, you're going to go to heaven when you die? Well, I think so. I, I think I've been good enough. Right. Instead, we want to be free to take moment by moment direction from the Holy Spirit. Free from, 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 you know, having to perform for God. Taking that direction from the Holy Spirit. In other words, freedom is a fountain. If you're writing it down, just just not just note that to yourself. Freedom is a fountain. What do I mean by that? Uh, nearly ten years ago, our family was was able to take a, a, a trip, went to the Mediterranean, which was amazing. And we started by spending a few days in the city of Rome, a uh, remarkable place. And one of my favorite things, besides the most amazing gelato ever, God's gift. One of the food groups is ice cream. You know that, right? You should have a little, a little bit of ice cream every day. I, I'm convinced of it. But anyway, um, besides the ice cream, um, was hanging on a place called Trevi Fountain. How, how many of you have ever been to Trevi Fountain? You've seen that. Isn't it amazing? Like, it's just this incredible work of art. And all around it, there's people gathered. They're laughing. They're taking pictures. They're eating. You know, Couples are cuddling and, and hugging and I mean it's just it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot and, and you could just sit there and linger for a long, long time and, and take all that in. Why is that? What's the deal with that sort of fountain in the middle of a city? It's because a fountain represents life. It's waters flowing and, and in the same way freedom is a fountain. But instead of relishing their freedom in Christ, these Galatians were now finding comfort in going through their religious motions, which is just another form of slavery, spiritual slavery. So even when it's sincere, even when it's good, even when it's helpful, going through the motions for the sake, for the sake of trying to be good enough for God, you know what it's going to do? It's going to leave you empty. Some of you have said to me, so I, I you know, I just, I just long for more. I want more in my spiritual life. I, I just feel like I'm doing all this stuff and it's, I'm empty inside. And, and, and we, we long for more and it's always a check. Why am I doing what am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it just to go through the motions to somehow impress God? Because that's going to leave you 
empty. And of course, the irony is that, is that many of our practices are good. They are. I mean, we're, we're gathering right out here today. Now, this is a, in a sense, a religious ritual. It's what Christians do. We gather week by week and we worship together and we open the word and we fellowship. We have a cup of coffee if you're a coffee drinker. So if this is a religious ritual, should we throw this away? Should we just toss this out? Well, no, of course not. Scripture commands that we assemble. That's why it's been so important through COVID. Even when, you know, really things were so severely shut down, we found a way for you at least to gather online. And some of our friends are able to gather with us now, which is especially handy if you're sick at home today, as I know some of you are. Somebody who's at work and you're able to to watch from the workplace and that, that kind of thing. But if you're if you're just here to make God happy, then you've missed the point. You've missed it all. It, God is glorified in our gathering. God is blessed as we worship together and as we get into the word together, as we fellowship together, as we encourage and build each other up. God's blessed by that. But really, as we gather, we gather to equip one another. We gather for fellowship. We gather for worship. We gather to to learn into God's word, to deepen our connection with the Lord and with, with each other. We're here to serve. We're here to encourage one another. And so when we gather our freedom in Christ, that we do these things for the benefit of growing, not to please God, but to, to bless God or to you know build up together as a body. When we do that, it's going to bubble up as a life-giving fountain for you. The motivation is, is different. It's life-giving for you and you want to pass it on to others. And I think Paul's reminder to the Galatians is this, that we want to live to be a blessing. Live to be a blessing. I want, you know, I want, I want my life to be a blessing to the people around me. Verses 13 and 14. Right? Paul says, he says this, he says, Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn away. Paul's making this vague reference to this illness he was going through, some kind of eye condition that he considered you know, quite repulsive, and yet the Galatians had really taken care of him. New believers tend to be very generous, very gracious. But as they slipped into the slavery of legalism, what happens? They lost their heart for kindness and for service at the same time. And I've noticed that sometimes very religious people can actually be very mean. Have you noticed that? And, and, and they can be, um, you know, when these self-imposed burdens of religious regulations happen they can they can make us inflexible and they can make us even insensitive to people i've been there i often tell people i'm a recovering pharisee of feeling like this burden of trying to do this and this and this but it tends to take away the tenderness toward people so we want to live to be a blessing paul says in verse 15 where's that joyful and grateful spirit you felt back then the New, List, New Living Translation you know, translates it, joyful and grateful spirit. The word there is, it's a Greek word, makarismos, from charisma, charismatic, this kind of graciousness. Goodwill is another translation for that word. The, the ESV translates it. What then has become of your blessedness? See, again, when we allow ourselves to go back to the, the world's basic principles, that stoicheia we talked about last week, that kind of fundamental kind of worldly worldview, what happens is we sometimes lose the ability to be kind and gracious toward others instead of being the gracious and generous goodwill-giving people that we're meant to be. 
So a good question to ask myself, and we can all ask ourselves this question is, does my faith move me to bring a blessing or a burden to people? Does my faith move me to bring a blessing or to bring a burden to people? Because we want our lives to be a blessing, right? We can only, I think, deliver that freedom if we're living in that freedom ourselves. I want to invite Christy and the worship team to come. They got one song they're going to lead us in to, to close. We want to live to be a blessing. Let me kind of let me finish with this encouragement for you. All true freedom, all true freedom is is God given. All true freedom is God breathed. I, 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 you don't get your freedom from the government. You don't get your freedom from governance or laws. The real concept and understanding and conviction about freedom and living as free people is a God-given idea. It's a God-given motivation. And I'm not talking about, you know, doing whatever you want. I'm not talking about lawlessness. I'm not talking about the license to just kind of live ridiculously. I'm, but I'm talking about the liberty of choosing to live a free life. It's a gift of God. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the fear of death. Freedom from what might happen to me if I try this new venture. God wants to give you freedom. God did not create you to live in slavery. Not, not physical slavery. He didn't create you to live in spiritual slavery. Only an active, ongoing relationship with Jesus can grant you the freedom that you long for. I think we should take hold of that. To be done with the formalities of religion. Be done with what Paul calls the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world. The world's philosophies that that fight against the simple truth that we are set free by faith in Christ. Some of the great leaders of the past in our in our nation began to discover this idea that that God created you to live in freedom. Now they understood it as a sort of a natural physical way, but we we understand that there's the spiritual freedom that God longs for you to experience and enjoy in Him. And to be free of those burdens of things that have happened in the past, mistakes that you've made, things that have been done to you, some of the, some of the grudges that you've hung on to. Some it's like, I'm never going to forgive that person for whatever it was. God says, you're not living in freedom when that's you. When you, when you hold those resentments, God's saying, that's, that's not freedom. That's actually a burden. That's actually a weight upon you. You say, yeah, but if I, if I forgive that person, it, it means, it means I'm, I'm okay with what they did. No. No, it means you're taking the burden of justice and the burden of, uh, of whatever that kind of revenge even. It's, you're just giving it to the Lord saying, God, I can't do with this. I can't carry all this. God wants you to live free of the, the fear of, of what could happen to you. The, the, live free of the fear even of death. You know, any one of us could could not make it through to the end of the day. Did you know that? 
You can't actually control how many times your heart's going to beat. Some of you live in fear about that. What's going to happen to me about this diagnosis that I've got to go to the doctor this week and what are they going to say? I don't know what they're going to say. It might be bad news. But God wants you to live in freedom, to trust him no matter what. To say, God, I'm, I'm good with, with you. It's going to be well with my soul. That's what he has for you. And then what you do with that freedom, that's up to you. <laughs> that's up to you. I think we're at our best when we're a blessing to others. When we live out God's truth in love for one another and for the people around us. Drinking from this fountain. Drinking, sharing from this fountain of freedom in Christ. Will you bow with me as we pray and lead into one closing song? God, I, I'm just, I want to be more aware of the freedom that you have for me. The fact that you want to speak things into my life so that I can pour that out into the, to the lives of others to be a blessing wherever I go. Lord, I thank you that we still live in a, in a, in a nation where we can declare that Jesus is Lord. But Jesus, we want that to be true, not just kind of in the big general sense, but we want that to be true in our own lives on a day-to-day basis. Jesus, that you would be the Lord of this heart and the Lord of this life. And so that I would live in that moment by moment of being directed by you and being directed by your spirit. And Lord, to kind of infect the world around me with the freedom and joy of what it is to live in you. Lord, the Galatians were losing it. They, they forgot how to be gracious and generous and kind because they were living under a burden of rules. God, deliver us from that. Set us free from that, I pray. Open our eyes to see when we're falling into spiritual gravity. And instead... Rise up and soar with you. Thank you for your graciousness, your kindness to us, and your great love for us. We pray these things in the precious and powerful name of our Lord and our Savior, who gave us life that we could be set free. Amen. Amen.